You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. And I've got to say, Chrissy, uh, the Continental here is not looking as um, fancy as I remember it. A little, I don't know, it feels a little crispy in here. Yeah, I saw the caution tape outside, but I mean, I was thinking Winston usually lets us in, so why not? But there's nobody here, so I don't know what to do now. Yeah, I'm really sad. And uh, what's worse is uh, this this bar is not as well stocked as it used to be. Um, all the bottles seem to be broken and empty, <laughs> which is really sad. Uh, I was looking forward to a nice bottle of Blanton's. But uh, before we dive into talking about John Wick 4, we're very excited to be doing this as we've covered all the films. And now we're here at, at this latest installment. But Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you tuning in to the 602 Club, and and we would appreciate it if you do a few things for us. One is just, uh, you know, if you're listening to this uh, at some kind of podcatcher or anywhere you get podcasts, just make sure you are subscribed and you'll get the show uh, as soon as it drops, plus our bonus shows as well. Uh, And of course... Wherever you're listening, if it allows you to give us a star rating and a review, please do that. Uh, Somewhere like Spotify, you can give us star ratings. And then, of course, on Apple Podcasts, you can actually even give us a written review, which would be fantastic. Uh, We would really love it if uh, you would do that because it helps other people be able to find our show and get more listeners. Uh, Another way you can help us out, we'd love to interact with you on social media Please follow us on Twitter at the 602 Club, as well as on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Both of those places are places that Chrissy and I love interacting with you listeners. Uh, means a lot to us, those of you that do. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. We've got a listeners discussion group on Facebook uh, just for listeners called the Babel Conference, and you can find that uh, by just searching that in the Facebook search field. We find us online at track.fm. And of course, we would love it if you would go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash trek.fm and become a member of our team and make sure that all of the podcasts that we're doing here keep coming to you. Uh, it is difficult for us to afford this all on our own because it's a pretty big network. We've got a lot of shows we're doing. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and help us out. We're also giving you back to you here in the 602 Club by doing some bonus episodes called the VIP room that you can only get there. Uh, And we have some other fun changes that we're working to enact here behind the scenes with some things coming up uh, at TFM. And the more support that we have, the quicker those will be able to happen. So again, go to patreon.com slash track FM. Well, Christy, you know, I think more than anything, uh, because of what happened in real life, um, we have to talk about uh, this um, and, and kind of start the show uh, with an in memoriam uh, and the fact that Lance Reddick, who played Sharon, uh, died, and um, which was such a terrible shock because he was he was not that old. Uh, he was in his 60s and I loved him as an, an actor, uh, as, you know, great on Fringe. And of course, here uh, in this role, I think he was just phenomenal and so it was it was it was kind of a bittersweet in some ways going into this movie, knowing that this would be the last time he would be able to be in a John Wick movie or on screen at all. Yes, for sure. I think that you can see throughout the franchise how meaningful he was as an actor um, and especially what he brought to this role. Um, and how much it was felt with him not being able to continue on other than the brief scene we have him in in this one. Um, I also appreciated that in the interviews with director Stahelski, he talked about how 
profound that impact was on all of them, um, not only with Lance's positivity and just genuine joy in coming to work every day, but mm-hmm. also that he was like a teacher for Stahelski as a director to help him really come together on what this character should be like and mm-hmm. how yeah. important his role in John Wick 4 is as the catalyst of things in the story. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, he's incredible and it, it's such a, an incredible loss. Um, but so glad that we got the time with him that we did. No, I, I could not agree with you more. I, I think also one of the, the neatest things on this, and um, I was reading an article there on the Hollywood Reporter and they were talking about, you know, that this happened uh, so suddenly um, that, you know, they had already locked the film for the digital cinema package that goes out to theaters um, and specifically for uh, the one that was going to be there at the premiere. And it's not that easy to change these. Um, they have to be pulled back and then they have to be re-edited and then they're locked again and then they're sent to the theater and they were somehow which was awesome able to get that card that said uh in memory of you know lance reddick um i just i love that they were able to do that and of course then put them on the rest of the films that showed here uh throughout the world um you know i think obviously when you have um a character that's this important to the series uh, this is the type of thing that should happen. This should be in remembrance of Lance Reddick. And, and I think, um, I, you know, it's, it's exactly what needed to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I also, you know, as we think about for the role here, just of him in the film, uh, you know, I thought it was fascinating that, like you were saying, the director had come to him and said, look, I know you're going to read this and it's going to feel weird, because you're killed within the first act of the movie here. But I want you to read the whole thing because I feel like it's actually really important. Uh, and I I felt that, you know, in this, you know, the idea that this is a catalyst for John and Winston to then kind of take the actions that they do. You know, I thought that that was really important. And and specifically when you look at the way Sharon as a character has been such a pivotal part of the lives of John and Winston themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to talk about, too, his role in the other three previous films. He wasn't just the wallpaper. You know, he wasn't just the concierge. Um he was also Winston's right hand. And mm-hmm. in in Parabellum, John Wick 3, when they are actually um, deconsecrated and attacked, it's Sharon and John Wick that defend the New York Continental. Right. And you don't expect that he's going to be the one that steps up and teams up side by side 50-50, able to stand up to the chops of John Wick to defend the Continental together. So I thought that that was incredible. And then that then gives you the weight of the character you need Mm -hmm. to feel that loss in this movie. Yes. Well, and I, I think that it, it is his death that is a, is, is the catalyst for both of them because it, it, kicks off the theme for this whole film that you know uh, of loyalty of friendship camaraderie um and you know i think that this is something that is uh, such an important part of this movie um you know the the idea that what you know cuz we're we're in this really strange world here in the John Wick films in the sense that everybody a part of the this special world is an assassin and they are uh you know they, they are all murderers you know mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean you know uh there's this and, and so there's this idea that there's this code of rules that they all live by 
And and yet there's also almost this like higher code of people being loyal to one another, people actually having true friendships that did, aren't just based off of a of, you know, um a commercial relationship, you know, this this um transactional nature of you do this for me, I do this for you. And that's, I mean, I think really what we clearly see here is we, we have two two different types of codes going on. We've got the code of honor among assassins, and then we just have the assassin's code, right? Mm-hmm. One is relational, and the other is transactional. And it's it was very interesting to me that this movie was very much kind of about pitting those different types of codes together against one another because John clearly falls on one side and the uh, Marquis clearly falls on the other. Oh, I think and, that's a great point. Go ahead. You know, and and so I think that's just something to me that – and and that's the the thing that I think makes this movie so interesting because it's the thing that finally allows John to be able to have some resolution in the end because he finally chooses one code to live by and that code does end up costing him everything and he's willing to pay the price of that code yeah i'm so glad that you said it's like two different codes going on because i think there isn't a better way to say that in initially describing them i think that you have obviously the one among business associates um you know all the members that are beneath the high table and then even you know, the the members of the high table, they have their rules, but then what's considered above all of that even is this code of humanity, I guess I would say, of what's really important above all. And actually, I think it also was said very well when Koji was talking to John at the beginning, and he says, friendship means little when it's convenient. Yes, yes. Because John is saying, I'm so sorry for putting this target on your back by coming here. And Koji's Mm -hmm. like, no, it's absolutely what I always would have done for you because I truly consider you my friend. I I think I'm so glad you brought that up because I thought that that was one of the best quotes of the film. And I think it is the one that truly brings this this idea into focus, uh, you know, that there is a code of honor among assassins, but it's because they are following not just the, the code of assassins again, but they are following something that's much bigger than that. These Mm -hmm. intangibles like loyalty and friendship that go so far beyond, um, again, a transactional nature of a relationship. These are relationally based Mm -hmm. and, What's interesting is that I think this this movie really actually speaks to this idea is that we aren't just transactional beings. We are beings who are actually driven by our relationships with one another. And when we try to be people that are only driven by transactional uh, nature, a transactional nature, uh, we end up like the Marquis. We end up like these people who are cold, calculating, and have no desire um, to, you know, they have literal regard for these intangibles like friendship or or anything else as long as it gets them ahead. And they end up alone and afraid and with no help, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, again, is just really beautiful. And I think it also just kind of shows the the way in which this world that they live in 
is kind of truly unlivable in unless you have the thing that John has and that um, that Koji has and that even you know Kane has and you know all of these 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 men who are willing to and and women who are willing to live by a higher law mm-hmm. you know um, and that is a law of friendship um, you know that is it, to 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 go even farther you know that's the law of loving someone more than you love yourself mm-hmm. you know um you you're our friend even when it is inconvenient um it, that's also why i think that it's such an emotional thing when kane accepts the deal because he really doesn't want to he does consider john a friend and he knows what he's doing by agreeing to it he tries every way he can to get out of it but i do think that he makes a valid point that any of us would probably make in the same situation and that's that if it's if i'm given the choice between my child or my friend i'm going to make sure my child survives right and that was the only reason that he made a deal with the devil and turned his back on John per se. And unfortunately was his own undoing later. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting because you, you know, John would have made that deal if, you know, say it had been his wife. Right. You know, that was threatened. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's also something that we see with Koji as well. Who's, who's willing to fight to, um, the death try and protect his own child right and 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 it's interesting too because you know you you the 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 movie i think this movie kind of pushes it as far as you can because then you really do run into this issue with like look you you willingly did put yourself in this position of being in a world of assassins and so what did you expect was going to happen you know and uh and so i we'll talk more of that about that later with the idea of like consequences because I think that really brings it full circle. But I wanted to, I did want to ask you just kind of about, you know, the story because, you know, where we left it at the last film, this kind of picks up right where that left off and the fact that John was tasked by the elder to go back and, um, do whatever was required of him to be of service, right? And in the end, he was told to kill Winston. And he decided that he wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. This is where the theme of of that honor among assassins really kind of comes in and really gets brought to the forefront, I think. And so in this movie, it starts off with that John goes and he kills the elder who's above the table. Of course, it's not the same elder. It's a different one. Um, and uh, it seems like the other elder had died. And this leads to the high table sending uh, Vincent Gramont, de Gramont, uh, mm-hmm. the Marquis after him. And, you know, he, he deconsecrates the, uh, the New York Continental. He shoots Sharon to send a message. And, um, then he hires Kane to track down John Wick. Um, and then the only way for John to finally try and put an end to all this is he has to be reinstated by his family, the Ruska Roma. Uh, and so he can challenge Marquis to a, a one-on-one duel. Uh, and then he's got to get to the church on time uh, so that, you know, uh, he can actually participate in the duel so that because if he doesn't get there on time he and winston die who's his second in the film and, and or um you know if he wins then they get their stipulation so like what did you think about just kind of finding a way to create this story out of everything that's come and you know this movie of course works to bring much of everything that's happened most likely to completion. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing here and the way I feel about any sequel is that you've got to make sure you have legs for the story to stand on to justify another movie. And I think you already had that. And then also keep it simple. And so 
I do think that they did that very well here because they've got just a few main goals that have to get accomplished. And then the fun of John Wick itself is the fighting along the way. You know, the the journey just to try to get to the top of the staircase, you knew it was going to happen when they said there's 222 steps. <laughs> it wasn't going to be easy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I love Donnie Yen then as Kane saying, John, I need you to get to the top of these steps. <laughs> He's like, no kidding. So... I think that they absolutely did a great job with keeping it simple and making sure that there were things that made sense to drive the story forward here. I think it did very well picking up where it left off, even if it's a different actor playing the elder. Um, you're still suspending your disbelief enough to go along with it. And then adding in Bill Skarsgård as the marquee, I think that he is already obviously known for doing roles like it and other creepy vibe kind of things. And so we knew he would be a good villain when you hear he's cast. Um, And he's so measured in his speaking, in his actions, um, that you're eating out of the palm of his hand the whole time, waiting to see what he's going to do next. And he's very unpredictable. So I thought that it was really cool and and such an interesting ride of things that I did not expect. Um, even the way that the marquee and the tracker interacted in the stable just totally mm-hmm. took me off balance. Um, and I think that ultimately then you're waiting with bated breath for the duel to happen and whether or not John's going to make it. Right. Yeah, I think... To me, I, I think you called out rightly in many ways. This is is kind of a simple story, and they they don't overcomplicate things too much, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the other really interesting part of this is, you know, as they've been creating these films and and deepening this world, it's always interesting to me that you know something can get deconsecrated, or you know, somebody can get uh, become excommunicado, and there's always seems to be some sort of loophole to get things back to where they need to be for the rest of the story to happen. And part of that is, is something that I think really makes sense for a world when you're dealing with a bunch of criminals, right? Like they, they have this code, but you know, there's always a way around the code or a loophole in the code or, you know, something that, so that you can be reinstated or, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's always something that involves an incredible amount of, of, of death or, and, and, and people dying and, and having to survive. And so, you know, and I think the other thing that's actually really quite brilliant about the John Wick movies is, is in many ways, the way they use kind of a video game formula, which is, you know, you have these objectives and those objectives then get you to the next level. Um, and then the, the next level, you know, so, I mean, but I, I don't think it's it's it doesn't detract from anything. It's just it's it's a great way be, to tell these stories. And then of course, in in much like the video games, you know, there's the there's to get to the next level, you have to go through you know so however many enemies, you know, and then you get past that, and then you go to the next objective. And as you're trying to do that objective, it you know it you've got a bunch of other it's so you is, get to the big what, boss. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, but uh, again, this is not a criticism in any way, uh, shape or form, um, because I think these movies do a fantastic job in this, but it's just the way in which they're able to craft the story. And, you know, one of the things I have to give them credit for, too, is that I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here watching the films anymore. And I think I was slightly critical of the you know, the middle films where I just kind of felt like some of the stuff felt the same or whatnot, but I've kind of come around to it uh, and seeing the ways in which like you talked about, they're able to keep the story simple and they're able to keep it moving forward. And, but they're also able to create enough interesting new items or new loopholes that allow you to jump through these different hoops that make it seem different enough, but also familiar um and i and i think that's what this movie is able to do with its story that keeps it interesting and it 
and it doesn't make it just feel like something that I've seen before in the series. It makes it feel different enough and similar enough all at the same time to make me just enjoy being back in the world of John Wick. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, I appreciated that what we're doing with the story is that we're taking into consideration all of these things that have come before and we're actually using them to bring us to a specific end, which is actually to create an end. Um, and I think, you know, for me, this whole movie uh, becomes about, and we've talked about this before with this series, but this movie is really about consequences coming to a head for John, for Koji, for Kane, mm-hmm. for Winston, for everyone involved here. It it, it comes... Uh, to consequences all the choices that they've made have led them to where they are and where they're going to end up and i thought that it was pretty interesting that every single one of these people i mean kane we we don't know if he's dead but it, it leaves it you know with the possibility that he is but it seems like every single one of these men has made a deal with the devil in some way and ends up having to pay for it um, in trying to protect something that they care about. Um, and I just thought that that was an incredibly interesting thing to do in a movie that, as we talked about, is uh, in some ways has a, a level of video game silliness to it, but it really comes down to talking about and showing okay these are the consequences of these type of actions and you can't run from the devil forever Mm -hmm. and you know i want to say too i think what plays into john's consequences as well is if you remember previously when he first initially kills a guy on continental grounds that also sets everything then in the future in motion Yes. And he knew when he did it that he wasn't supposed to, even though the guy deserved it and it was finally an open shot, fair game to take care of the problem. It really wasn't the end of John's problems. It was just going to cause more problems. Um, And then same thing with Winston, then giving him some extra time before he made him excommunicado. And, you know, like the uh, what they call it, the adjudicator coming in and telling Mm -hmm. each of them how they kind of made their bed and now they have to lie in it. (laughs) Um, I like that they also then bring up in John Wick 4 that at some point you do have to face the consequences of your actions. And, um, oh gosh, I'm thinking of a specific scene. When was it? Um, Oh, when when they actually decide on the terms of the duel and they're sitting at the table and they're picking all of the different rules about what the duel is going to entail they start by also taking a drink and saying consequences yep you know and and that all of them are aware and and i like too how even there are consequences for the marquee because sort of playing off of what you said with loyalty being above all if you're loyal to no one then no one's got your back when you need them exactly and that leads to his undoing that is a great point, uh, and I, I absolutely adored the fact that we really do, again, when, when we talk about the consequences for each one of these men, um, the Marquis having nobody uh, is not only a, his undoing, but it's his death, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he dies, and, and part of that is because Kane and John are friends. They know how to play the game so they can get what they want. They also know how to play people to get what they want. So they play the marquee and they get exactly what they want in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I think, you know, it, it's it's so interesting, you know, because for John, the consequences started when he decided to kill 86 people to avenge his dog. Uh, that his wife had left him and that starts this whole path. I mean, Koji for choosing friendship of, of John Wick that, you know, brings his own death and he, you know, doesn't know, but it could possibly lead to the death of his own daughter. 
uh, Cain for making that deal with the devil uh, that he hopes will keep his daughter safe. But, of course, that leads him to actually kill a friend, which then leads to his most likely death. I mean, again, we don't know, but that, that you know, end credit scene leaves us to think that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And because his, you know, Koji's daughter attacks him. Uh, and so, yeah, every single one of these people. And then, of course, you mentioned Gatharaki. Consequences. He He's living large. And yet he has nobody that cares about him. He's just, he's always at the mercy of the table and whether or not he gets the job done, right? Again, it's transactional. And this is another thing I think that kind of goes along with that, with these consequences, because each one of these men, I specifically think of John Koji and Kane, they all have reasons, right, to not want to help one another or trust one another. And yet, it's not about a transaction with them. It They show each other grace, even though they don't deserve it, right? Grace is unmerited favor. Mm-hmm. They show favor towards one another, even when the other person may have done things that does, like, you. why would you do that, you know? Right. It's grace, right? And so there's this, that, and, and yet the Marquis himself lives only by the law. There is no grace, and in that, it's kind of like a Les Mis thing. You know, you have Jean Valjean on one side and you have Javert on the other. And, you know, uh, the Marquis is very much Javert. Jean Valjean is definitely more in the the Jean, the Jean side here, which I think is very interesting because this movie takes place in France. And so, which is the home of, of the story of Les Mis. And mm-hmm. so you get this whole thing happening. And so I just love the way in which they've crafted this narrative in this world, but it's bringing out some of these themes from something as powerful as the story of Les Mis. And, you know, in a very different way. And yet what happens is still the same. Um, and, so I, I that it, anyway, that's just actually the whole idea of of the Les Mis connection. It's just something that came to me as we were talking. But I just think that's so cool. Yeah, I mean that is really cool that it's it. They're ultimately playing on these same themes of something bigger being each person's end objective, and right, which one is the right one. Um, and I I meant to add too. I also like that they do talk a few times about whether or not the characters think or what the characters think about someone else, whether or not they're going to heaven or hell. Yeah. And it's ironic. You think as an audience member that they would even question that because if you've killed that many people, <laughs> you have made your bed. I, I, yeah. You're for sure not going to heaven. So <laughs> yeah. John even says that right to Koji the, talking about the idea of, you know, uh, living a good life you know and he's like oh we we passed that up a long time ago yeah and you know i i think you know john himself is 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 very much aware of the state of what you know his soul right mm-hmm. and and yet what's interesting is to then watch these men who we would consider lost live out principles to which are more in line with the things that we would then consider uh, more righteous. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think all of that is is so interesting. Now, we obviously have another death in the film, and that's the end for John. And John Wick, by the end of this film, is dead. And there was a reshot scene at that funeral where they alluded to the fact that John was maybe actually not dead. And yet they chose the hard ending, which is no, he's gone. And I wanted to ask you, do you feel like that was the right choice? Do you feel like this was the right time to bring this series to a close with a quadrilogy? I do. Because I think that rightfully so, you have to think about what motivation is left for the character. 
and that at this point, John has been through all of the major things that I would possibly expect um, for him to need to address before he's done. And then they also address the fact that someone that's lived a life like he has, aside from his marriage, you know, all of the things that he's done, what ultimately is the end goal, sorry, end result for him? And that's that he has to die because I'm so glad that they too even have Winston say to him, there is no way out. Like you're still kidding yourself thinking if I just finally get absolution from the high table and permission to be free, then I'll get to just live my life and, you know, be done with this life. And it's like, no, this is your life. You don't get a do over. You don't get to be free. Even if you think you are, they're always going to come back for you. There's going to be another marquee. There's going to be new people at the high table. There's going to be another reason you need vengeance. You have absolutely set up your life to be this way and you cannot get out except to die. And so I think that that made sense then for this to be the conclusion of this film, because I don't see where else they would have been able to take him to have more to do that we haven't already seen. And I think that it feels like it's time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, in the movie, a lot is made of this idea that they want to kill John Wick, the high table does, because they they basically don't want him to become a martyr and they don't want him to become a saint. They don't want him to become somebody that that people look to and think maybe there's a different way of doing this uh, that isn't just transactionally based. Uh, Maybe relationships actually do matter. Uh, and the the friendships and the camaraderie, maybe that is actually something more than just, you know, a law on a piece of paper that we have to follow. And I do think that this is the right consequence for the life that John chose to lead. And I think it's interesting because the way that Keanu plays that is that he knows that. Mm-hmm. And... He's willing to do this because in the end, he is going to to help people beyond himself. He's going to be avenging uh, Sharon. He, he, he's going to be helping Winston. And, uh, and he's going to be helping another friend, right? You know, because Cain, he also, by his death, by John's death, Cain earns his freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, in some ways, the, the tracker uh, would be free of his deal with the Marquis. Uh, and so, uh, he, and, um, you know, hopefully Koji's daughter would be safe. Uh, and so, because all of this would have ended, because again, John's dying. So John's death covers these people uh, and the need for the high table to feel like they need to flex their power. And so... And I also think, too, you know, uh, there was definitely talk for them to cre- do a four and a five together. Uh, and and the director came out and said, honestly, I'm just not good enough to do this. Um, I can't create two different experiences and have each of them feel special and different and look different. Um, from a technical standpoint, I just can't do it. I'm not that good as a director. I need the time to be able to do this. And, and they just felt like this was the time to, because this can't go on forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I've, I loved hearing somebody in Hollywood say this can't go on forever. Yeah. Um, And you know, you think about it, obviously Keanu Reeves looks, I think actually better here than he did in the third film physically. Um, and yet, you know, he's almost 60. Uh, and so I, he can't do this forever. And so I think creating a finale for the character of John Wick is just a smart move. Um, it doesn't mean you can't still play in this universe. But for him, I, I think it's it's smart for us to bring it to a close. And it seems like they had put a lot of thought into what the consequences of his actions would be and how this would would end for a character like John Wick. And I love that they didn't pull any punches 
by allowing him to, ooh, maybe he's still alive, you know? I, I thought that them actually doing the the brave thing of letting John be dead and letting his then death have meaning for all the people he's been able to save. I thought that was great choice, a great choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you you mentioned Stahelski having the guts to stand up to the studio and say, for one, that he was honestly saying, you know, for one, I'm I'm not as experienced as I should be to be able to do two films at the same time. And I'm glad that he added that the technology improves over time. And so do their abilities after training in between films with the stunts. Right. So he's saying there is actually a case for having time between two movies and not just making it feel like one long movie in two parts. Exactly. So I respected a lot of that. And uh, and then also him just saying, like you said, having the guts to say that it can't go on forever, that actors age and they don't necessarily want this to be like bond where it can be replaced with another actor to play john wick i think people have grown too attached to the fact that keanu is him yep i 100 percent agree with you and you know i I think this was a place where uh, as well um keanu is is able to give it his all in this final film and i think he absolutely does uh he's fantastic uh, as always as john wick and and i again want to give him credit i think not only um is i does he even look physically better um but i mean the 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 work and the stunts that he's putting in to do this and the fight sequences and choreography uh that he's learning and that the i'm sure you know of course you've got stunt guys too but you you could never tell it wasn't him and mm-hmm. i think that just all comes down to all of that so 100% right there with you i'm i'm glad and i think that this was the right time to do it uh and so uh we have some new friends uh you know we've talked about them and i do put that in quotes um but with koji the tracker and kane uh what did you think about cuz you know every john wick film here gives us an introduction to some new characters and and mostly people that most most of them are people that you know john has uh, you know, been uh, had some sort of connection with. Uh, of course, our the new character he doesn't is the tracker, um, Mister Nobody, which I thought was funny because then there was the other film with called Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, which is basically a John Wick style film um, <laughs> with him. So anyway, uh, yeah, what did what did you think about their choices for these these uh, characters? I think that once again, they've gone with some really strong casting with people that were well established in some other dramatic roles. Um, I know for sure I've seen Hiroyuki Sonata, uh, who played Koji in other things before and have a lot of respect for him and thought he was wonderful as Koji. Um, mm-hmm. And especially playing, you know, the whole role of the father and also a manager of a continental and a friend of John Wick. That's a complicated role. So I really thought that that was done well and that his death meant something as well. Um, I had not seen Shamir Anderson before, but man, he was awesome as the tracker. And I think that, you know, you come to expect, especially with John Wick films, the gritty nature and a lot of times the painful looking moments um like the tracker getting his hand stabbed <laughs> i mean it talk about great acting from him and scars guard with that scene because i was in so much pain watching that scene <laughs> they really make you believe it um and he was he did such a great job portraying somebody who initially is out for himself and then changes his mind because he respects john just from what he's seen of him, he's realized that he can't kill him because he just has too much respect for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both of them, I think, are great. Uh, and, you know, I think 
Hiroyuki is just, he's somebody I love every time he's in a film. You know, uh, he's been in so many films, especially in Hollywood recently, and he's just a great actor. Mm -hmm. And so I I thought the choice of him was phenomenal. And and he's able, I think, to have such a wonderful sense of loyalty and honor and friendship and all those things that you want. Um, You know, I thought Shamir Anderson as the tracker was great. Uh, The fact that, you know, and I, I, I kind of sense it was coming, but the idea that this would come down to his turn is about John saving his dog, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, brings that full circle. Instead of a dog dying, it's about a dog being saved, which, again, it's all comes back to the dog. Yep. Uh, don't shoot dogs and people don't get mad. Um, mm-hmm. So just saying. Uh, and then, I mean, Donnie Yen is a genius. Oh, he yeah. is a legend. Uh, and to have him here kind of uh, playing a uh, variation almost on his character from Rogue One was very cool to have him be a blind high table assassin. Uh, you know, I, I loved that idea is that um, him playing Chirrut in... Rogue One, I just think is, you know, again, I, I don't know. I, and, and his, his ability in action sequences is just phenomenal. But I think on top of that too, you know, and I was reading for him, it was very important to be able to come in and actually have a character. And so to have that arc of, of this man who is tortured, uh, in the sense that he's trying to protect his daughter, and to do that, he's going to have to kill a friend, even though he doesn't want to, because his friend won't yield. And and then being able to find a way to, you know, avenge that death, uh, and you know, take out the person who's you know threatening his daughter and and get her freedom. And I, he's just so good. So I and the choices that they made for all of them are for is just fantastic yeah i'm so glad that the role that they had donnie yen play as kane was not like a throwaway character or a um short scene one time he became someone who was a constant through this movie and that you could tell that he and john really had history um and i love that it comes down to them in the duel um you know that even then the Mm -hmm. marquee is not going to fight his own fight he's got to get someone else to do it um and Donnie Yen, yeah, you absolutely called it. He's definitely pulling some, I think, from playing Chirrut Imway for sure. But he really wanted, as they said in that article, to have something to do other than kicking and punching. Right. Even though he's very good at it. And I love the note about um, Stahelski going to ask him to be in the movie. He's, you know, sort of like bowing at his feet, like, would you please be in my movie? <laughs> mm hmm. So, well, and yeah. I thought it was really cool too. Them talking about the idea that he was a big fan of these films, and mm-hmm. so he wanted to be in the movie. So I think that was really cool. The you know they asked it, but he was already ready to be in one of these films because he was he was enjoying them and what they were doing. So mm-hmm. no, that's that's awesome. Um, you know we were talking about the the idea of the action here and especially the way Stahelski was mentioning that he did not feel good enough to be able to do four and five together because he could really only focus on four and make four what it needed to be, and he would have needed time to create something different. And so what did you think of the action in this film, especially if it's the movie that, you know, John Wick is... is gone forever as a character and and we'll never see him again was this the best action that they've done i really think so because it wasn't just about the choreography it was every bit as much about the camera angles um you know i'm thinking specifically of the fight in the abandoned building where they're shooting from above um oh yes yeah it's just totally different way of seeing a fight from an audience perspective, which was really Mm -hmm. cool. And then even throwing in some new weapons, like the, I'm thinking of it as the firework gun, (laughs) 
you know, um, he steals it off of one of the guys that's shooting at him, John does, and uh, then is just using it. And I love that that's be- that becomes his main weapon in that whole scene is a gun that also shoots like basically fireworks at people and lights them on yes. fire. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, and I like that he got some new moves with getting to use things like the mm-hmm. nunchucks. Yes. So it, it ended up feeling a lot more like a mixture of uh, a Western meets Kung Fu movie. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're first seeing those um, fights in the Osaka Continental. Yes. So, yeah, yes. I, I was really impressed at how they made this one stand apart by adding all of those new things. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it, my wife, as we were watching that scene uh, in the abandoned house, she was like, this is like Clue, except it's John Wick with the incendiary gun in every room. Um, <laughs> right. You know, so, um, but I mean, so that action sequence, then you got the action sequence, uh, you know, and the the Osaka Continental, uh, you know, you had the staircase, you had what happens in the nightclub, mm-hmm. uh, you know, against a guy who kind of looks like he's from Dick Tracy. Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many incredible action sequences in this film. And I think the, 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 the surprising thing to me was just the way in which they were able to create a difference between all of them. So it didn't feel like I was just watching the same thing over and over again. And I was just absolutely stunned by like you mentioned it it's not just the sequences themselves but it, it's the way it's being shot it's the lighting that they're choosing i mean this movie is an incredibly beautiful noir style movie mm-hmm. um, with the light choices that they've made and i just i love it i think it's great um i i was blown away actually by the action in this film and how they were able to make it feel different than all of the other films that have come before it. And yet at the same time, uh, make it always feel too like I could follow the action. And look, I also get the point that this movie's over the top ridiculous in the sense that, uh, you know, John Wick has finally just become a superhero and, you know, there's nothing that apparently that can kill him except for actually, you know, finally getting shot and losing too much blood. Uh, you know, he could fall out of buildings and land on cars and get hit by cars. And I mean, whatever. At, the, at this point, we're, we're definitely suspending our disbelief. And to me, that's fine because that's where these movies have, have put themselves basically almost in the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. And so, Oh, and speaking of cars, I meant to call out specifically the scene in France at the Arc de Triomphe, mm-hmm. that giant circle where they really shot there for a lot of the scenes mm-hmm. and they're having to get in the middle of traffic. And apparently the director is going, oh, my God, please don't let anyone get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And they were talking about how they were filming there during COVID. Uh, and so they were able to, you know, get access to that. And also they were actually able to talk to people behind Mission Impossible Fallout because they had filmed there as well. And they were able to get some pointers on how to do that. Um, but they were able to basically create a LIDAR of that entire area so they could recreate it in the computer so that they could do some scenes. Like, But to me, I was really surprised because that whole scene felt seamless. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really tell, honestly... Now, I have only seen the movie once, but I couldn't tell on the big screen what was CGI in any way where they might not necessarily have been in France and when they were. Mm -hmm. So I think, again, they just did a phenomenal job. I was just really impressed with that. Um, There is the possibility of more Wick. Um, You know, we know that uh, we're going to be getting the film starring Anna de Armas called Ballerina that takes place in the same uh, universe. And, you know, we we may even get some cameos from John Wick. We're not sure. We don't know exactly when that's taking place. There's the TV show about the Continental that's supposed to be happening. Um, But uh, one of the producers erica lee had mentioned that you know they're hopeful that they'll even do a ballerina 2 maybe john wick 5 and so 
I'm interested to see for you whether, you know, you're excited for what's going to come up here in this universe. But when they said John Wick 5, I, I was like, okay, but how do you do that? Because it seems pretty clear to me, and even just from the director, that John is gone. I would say first and foremost, if there was going to be a John Wick 5, the only thing I could foresee that being about is possibly that the Bowery King and Winston still have a bone to pick and they're going to carry it on in his honor. Um, Or maybe John and Helen had a baby that we didn't know about. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that would be weird. Or an adopted kid. I don't know. Anyway, so I I don't think obviously they're going to bring back John in a John Wick 5, obviously, because he's dead. But I don't know. It would be interesting. Um I uh, I do say I have confidence in this director and team in not making something if they don't feel it's justified to the story. So I think that it would still continue to be good doing other things in like the John Wick universe as long as they're continuing to have something familiar and a reason for telling those stories and not just a cash grab because that's very much something that Stahelski and Keanu were about was that it had to make sense story-wise and they were not going to be just making movies till the end of time. Yeah. I, and that's where, when I read that, it it seemed quite strange to mention a John Wick five because of what Keanu and Stahelski had said, right? I just Mm -hmm. didn't get it. And so but, I mean, I'm all for the idea of this ballerina film. Um, you know, I love Anna Darmus anyway. I think she's great. Yeah. I've I've enjoyed her and everything that she's been in, especially when she did No Time to Die. Yeah. And, you know, she was so much fun in that. But, you know, of course, this she'll be, I would guess, you know, much less lighthearted. <laughs> uh, and so... Yeah, that sounds great. The idea of doing a Continental series, I could totally see how that would happen. I will say at this point, though, the Continental series is something I'm not as interested in because Sharon is dead mm, uh, yeah. and because Lance Reddick is gone. Now, obviously, they killed him in this film and they did that before he had died. So it wasn't like that was the choice they had made because of that. Uh, but I just there's something about it, not having him at the Continental that just wouldn't make it seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's such a big part of that. So I, I can't see myself being very excited about that. But in in the end, you know, really, we'll see what happens. And um, so I'm left with the question then, Christy, John Wick 4, what are you going to rate it? So I debated about this because initially, obviously, from all the stuff we've said, my first reaction is it's a perfect film. I give it a five out of five. Um, But there's one thing that we didn't talk about that did kind of bother me and I think was the one weak point of the movie and I've got to deduct half a point for. And that's the character of Killa that John has to kill to get back in the good graces of the Rusca Roma family. Mm -hmm. To me, just the design of the costuming on that actor, you could clearly tell it was a fat suit um, and that he kind of felt like a cross between penguin and Ryan Reynolds character <laughs> in free guy. Uh, yeah, and it I just, understand that. it was too um, slapsticky comedy for me. Almost. Um, I just think that for a movie where everything else is high stakes and very serious, it wasn't the right look for that villain. Um, and I don't think it had anything to do with the actor. I think it was purely costuming and design um, and uh, just having the the kind of the direction, too, of, of him in that scene of, you know, having him play a silly version of a villain. Um, I just didn't love. But everything else about that scene I thought was so good. And I wanted him to have someone to really stand up to to fight and that's why they picked that actor um 
Adkins for this character because he's experienced at doing fighting movies. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, that was the only thing I didn't like, though. So uh, I do end up giving this movie a four and a half out of five stars because everything else about it is so impressive. And usually for a movie to be over two and a half hours long, I hesitate just even going to see it just because I'm like, oh, my God, that's a real time commitment. And is it worth the amount of runtime? But I think here it is. I think that because they also planned on wrapping up John's story in this movie, it was going to be a long movie because you had a lot of things to tie up. Um, and they still did excellent casting. And I think adding Bill Skarsgård to this was awesome. So, um, and Donnie Yen. So anyway, um, yeah, a four and a half out of five for me. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you in it. It wasn't necessarily, I, I wasn't, I don't think deducting any points anywhere for anything personally. There wasn't anything that kind of hit me in that way, but I don't know. I Maybe, maybe if I rewatched it, I'm, there might be me going in and, and saying, no, I'm just going to go ahead and give this in a five. But my reaction was that it is four and a half out of five. Um, this is, I think it's a great movie. And I think the thing that I really appreciated about it was the way in which it utilizes all of these things from the past uh, to create a film which brings to an end a character that I've really enjoyed watching on screen. And I think they do him justice. I think they do the series justice. And I think that's exactly what you want for this type of series. You want to be able to now watch all of these movies back to back or do a marathon over a weekend or whatever and find yourself going, yeah, that was great. And that that creates a great story for me to have seen all of these movies. And, you know, you feel like it's a good conclusion Um Obviously, it's a sad conclusion because he dies, but in the end, it just also feels like the right conclusion for this character, and that is fantastic, and so for that, I will give it four and a half out of five stars, but Christy, before we get out of here, I'm very interested to see what you will recommend for everybody this week. So, I can't remember if I have recommended this before, but... Specifically because we encountered Donnie Yen, I had to recommend something from him. And he actually did a series of other movies called Ip Man, I-P-M-A-N, that are about a man in China um, and his family and him having to use um, martial arts and um, has a really compelling story. And it's, I think it's five movies, possibly more, but just even starting from the beginning, there's really something there. And if you like any kind of Kung Fu and martial arts movies, um, it absolutely is everything you want from something like that. Um, and my husband got me into him. So um have a lot of respect for Donnie Yen as a comedic actor, but also with the serious things like this and really getting to see his fighting chops. So mm-hmm. I definitely recommend checking out the Ip Man series. Ah, that's great. Well, for everybody, um, I was thinking about uh, something the other day, and, you know, uh, movies in the theaters are, I think, really cool and very special experiences. And I just want to encourage people, you know, we're we're talking about all these films here, uh, that are coming out into theaters. And, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage people to go to the theater to see these films. Uh, you know, go to the theater to, you know, watch John Wick 4 and Shazam. And we've got Super Mario Brothers coming out and you Dungeons know, and Dragons. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And yes, ex- absolutely. And so, you know, if, if you, you know, don't go to see these movies, it's going to be difficult for them to keep creating films that people 
you know, want to go see. And so um, I, I, I do. I want to encourage people get out to these films and, and, and get out to the theater and see these films. And, you know, look, you might not love all of them, but it's it's a fun experience. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I just appreciated even just being at the theater to watch this movie because, you know, it's fun to see it with a crowd and people kind of reacting around you to what's happening. And, you know, uh, like you mentioned, there's, a, there's some kind of gross out moments that happen a little bit in this film or whatever. And it are surprising moments and it there's something about seeing it together. And, you know, if you, if you want movies to continue to get made and you want to be able to continue to go to the film movies, you got to go see them. So uh, my recommendation is get off the couch, grab some friends, get some popcorn and go see a movie together. And so uh, Christy, if people wanted to, you know, catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where would they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Bespin Bell. And of course, in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And then also when I'm not here, you know, I have a show called Sabers and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. But what about you? Well, uh, you could find me all over the place uh, under the social medias, MattRushing02. You can also find me here on the network outside of the 602 Club doing all sorts of things. One is Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, Warp 5. Chris and I are talking about Star Trek Enterprise, 20th anniversary rewatch, The Orb, the 30th anniversary rewatch of Deep Space Nine. Saddle Up about Strange New Worlds. And, of course, Star Trek Picard is happening right now, which means you can hear us talk all about all of the action over on the artificial tango uh you can also find me on the nerd party network with two shows one is called outpost did that with trey kaufman and we talked about every single chapter of the harry potter series one chapter at a time uh and then over on aggressive negotiations talking with the great john mills about star wars but thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear 